Thank you so much for uh, just the invitation to come. I just uh, thank uh, Pastor Jackie and also uh, Pastor Dan, my uh, pastor, for setting in this up and making this happen. So I'm happy to be here, and I just want to see, uh, excited to see what the Lord's going to do. And uh, as we get in the scriptures today, we're going to be in the uh, Old Testament book of Exodus. And first of all, I guess I just want to introduce my wife again, my wife right here, uh, Carrie Ann, and what a blessing to me. I put her up front so I'll have like a safe spot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, but anyways, as I go through, it's kind of funny, um, as I'm going through and I get to teach and whatnot, normally... Uh, I don't get to settle into a book. You know, with a book, you kind of know where you're going to be next week. You chapter one this week, chapter two next week. And um, when I do kind of guest teaching and uh, fill in for Pastor Dan back at Mountain Home, usually you're kind of like, okay, hey, there's an opportunity to teach. What are you going to teach on? And I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a big book. And so... And usually what it is is it's just where the Lord has me at that time and... and uh, I tend to, you know, be like sometimes the prophets that you just, you know, you kind of teach out of where you're at and the situations that you're going through and whatnot. And I think sometimes those are the most powerful teachings because there's just more ownership in it. And so I went through, and then also another thing about me is, uh, and uh, just, you know, I'm one of those persons, once I teach through um, a text or a topic, right? I don't necessarily like to go back and teach it again in a, in a close time frame. So I'm kind of like, okay, I taught that you know, a few weeks ago. I want to move on to something else, something fresh, and get into it. And so, and Pastor Dan knows this, and I was able to actually teach him part of this text like three weeks ago on a Wednesday night. And he said, you know what, I think you should do is, uh, you should take that and just kind of go over it again and um, teach that on Sunday when you go to Buell. And I'm like, ah. I don't know, I'm just, you know, I taught that, that's where the Lord was moving, but I'm going to move on and just see where the Spirit's moving, and maybe we'll be in a different text. And so, and I say all that, um, say this as I was praying through, uh, God led me right back to this text, and it was just situations going on in our lives, and just the season that God had us in, uh, God brought me back to this text just to remind me, and to minister once more to my heart, um, of the truth in his word and who he is. And so, uh, just putting that out there, um, with that, as we get in here, let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought or been in a place where, again, um, a, a place of just being anxious, a place of just being um, invisible to God sometimes, or even forgotten. You're feeling like, you know, you're in a place where, God, have you forgotten me? Am I invisible to what you're doing and what's going on? You know, Lord, do you see me? Okay? And that's what we're going to be looking at today in Exodus chapter 3. And as this ministered to my heart, and again, just teaching from, as I was going through, this is a scripture that just popped out to me and... And I want to share that with you this morning. And a lot of it has, comes back to is just not knowing who God is, but knowing who He is experientially in that experience, to experience God. It's more than a head knowledge, but it's a heart knowledge that do we draw close. And a lot of times that, that uh, relationship is built is through affliction. It's through, it's through adversity and things that come into our life in those seasons. And... Uh, you know, if you're, if you're uh, growing in the Lord now, if, if, you've, if you're a seasoned saint, maybe you're just beginning to grow, and that's the desire of your heart, you will meet this opposition, okay? And it reminds us uh, real quickly that we are in a spiritual battle, but God is greater, and He is there with us. And so, I have a quote here. A.W. Tozier uh, said, To know God in the scriptural meaning of the term, is to enter into experience of Him. It never means just to know about Him. Okay? It never means just to know about Him, but it's to enter in that experience of Him. 
And so, as we look at this, uh, um, I guess it's going to be on the mountain with God. This is where Moses, when Moses was out in the wilderness now, uh, he went to this mountain of God. And that's what I want to talk about today, is uh, this conversation, if you will, between God and Moses on the mountain. All right, let's go ahead and turn our Bibles to, to Exodus chapter 3. And when we go through this, uh, like I said last time, I don't even ask how much time I have. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm just always, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm always sensitive because like I've, I've taught like in Sunday school and different things. You have the people in nursery and it's like, so I want to be respectful <laughs> of the people in children's ministry. And it's interesting, I was saying, is uh, sometimes I just say things and I need to remember to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. But this is just kind of me trying to get comfortable up here, is uh, I'll just think out loud, okay? And this is one of those things where it's kind of funny on the way over here. It's like, I wonder if this would be a good time if people are asking me. It's like, okay, so you're an assistant pastor and you teach over there? I'm like, yeah, right on, I teach over there. And I'm like, okay, Lord, but do I need to share? It's like... You know, it's not like last week I was teaching in Sunday school. That was two weeks ago I was teaching in Sunday school. And so, you know, is that going to kind of set people off? It's like, oh my goodness, we got the Sunday school teacher up here. <laughs> but I'll try to put the cookies on the bottom shelf where everybody can get at them. But uh, anyways, I'll say stuff and my wife was just like, oh my gosh, I can't just, I can't believe he just said that out loud. <laughs> but it's just me... Like, my wife is like, I need to work on my takeoffs, my introductions and stuff. Once I get into the scripture, it's like in a flight, you know, it's like, it just feels good. It just, but my takeoffs sometimes, getting into them. And so, but what we're going to look at in Exodus chapter 3 is I've got it broken up into three things. And like I say, I, I was able to teach this like three weeks ago, and I had like 45 minutes. I got through nine verses, and I still had more uh, in the text that I wanted to teach on, so I had to kind of wrap it up real quick at the end, and I'm like, okay, well, right on. Well, if I've got uh, more time, I'm going to teach through 22 <laughs> verses. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, and the first thing we're going to see, three things I want to show in here, okay? We're going to look at the message. The message of hope. Uh, the second thing we're going to see here is the mission. Okay, the mission of God. And the third thing, third thing we're going to see is the miracle. Okay, Exodus chapter 3. The message, the mission, the miracle. You'll see I, I do that a lot just to kind of keep me on track. And so I like things with R's, S's, you know. Anyways, so the three M's. All right. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and read Exodus. I'm just going to read the first 12 verses, and then we'll get into those. All right. I will be teaching today in the NS, NASB for you. So, now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them 
from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. And now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, Certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning, God, as we just enter into this place of worship, Lord Jesus, as your church, Lord, is gathered together in this building, Lord, in this, in this place of fellowship. God, I pray that you would move in our midst, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're able to come in and, and Lord, to just sing praises to you, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that, Lord, that you are here with us as we invite you in. And, Lord, we do just invite you to come and, and move in our midst this morning, Lord Jesus. God, that we would come to the place of not just knowing you, Lord, intellectually, but, God, that we would know you experientially, Lord, that we would experience you, Lord, in our lives. Lord Jesus, that we would know your love and your grace. And God, I pray that your word, Lord Jesus, I pray that your word would be lifted up, Lord Jesus. And even now is, is God, that um, I, I am unable, Lord, to give exposition of your scriptures, Lord Jesus. But God, you are able. And so, Lord, I look to you, Lord Jesus, for Lord, who am I? And Lord, I'm trusting that, Lord, as your word says, certainly you will be with me. And God, that, that those who have come in this morning, Lord, give us ears to hear what the, what the Word of God is, is telling us this morning. And Lord, I do just invite your Spirit, Lord, to minister to us, Lord Jesus, where we're at this morning. God, that our hearts would be rend before you and our ears would be open to your instruction. And Lord, I just pray, God, that you would be lifted up, Jesus, that your Word would be lifted up, the authority of God. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. Okay. A little more background here. Uh, Moses' life is, uh, some have said, Moses' life can be summed up in three 40-year increments. Has anyone heard that? Kind of three 40-year increments. The first 40, Moses was somebody in Egypt. Okay, so Moses, that's all he knew for the first 40. He was raised an Egyptian. He was Jewish, but he was raised as an Egyptian. And so he was somebody there. And then the second 40 years it was Moses was in the desert. He fled to the desert and he became a nobody. So he was nobody in the desert. And then it says that Moses got to see how God could take a nobody and make him a somebody for him. Amen? And then I have here is a and so I'm here today to show how God can use anybody. Amen? That was a lot funnier in my head earlier. <laughs> I think the Lord's saying, move on, move on. And so let's take a look at this message. Okay, first 12 verses. I want to look at the message that is said here in Exodus chapter 3. Talking about this hope that is in Jesus Christ. All right. And I love the Old Testament because of the picture types. Because of the shadow of the things revealed in the New Testament, they're, they're set up in the Old Testament. And I love that, is to look at the old picture types and how there's that common thread that God runs through the whole Bible. And so here we have Moses, who is a prince to a shepherd. You know, 40 years in the desert at this time when, when God is calling him. And it says here that uh, now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And so Horeb, it just means, in the Hebrew, it means desolate. It was in a desolate place. He was in the backside of the desert, okay, shepherding the sheep. 
So he was about as far away um, separated from family and stuff going on as you could be. All right, A lot of solitude, a lot of quiet time. And so he was out there in this place of desolation when God came to him. And so, and it says here that he, on the mountain of Horeb, God had met him. And so the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. All right, and I just want to talk about right there is the angel of the Lord. Um, and as most of you know, as you probably um, you have great teaching here and stuff, is when the, when the Bible speaks of the angel of the Lord, it's speaking more than just a messenger. It's speaking of the, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, the, the, a Christophany, if you will, of Christ before he came and dwelt in the form of a man or a baby and to die for us. But the, you see picture types in there. And, and the reason we see that is because he always talk in the first person, okay? When he will give a message from, the, from God, he will talk in the first person. And he will also, also angels were not to receive worship. But he receives worship. And you'll see that in Joshua, the captain of the Lord of hosts, was another kind of a pre-incarnate Christophany. Okay? And so it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in um, a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. And so it shows us is that uh, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst. And so God was in the fire of the bush, right? He was there. That's what was causing the bush to burn. His presence was there. And I looked at that uh, again uh, as I was going through this, again in my own Bible study time, and, and how the Lord led me just to kind of this message, just dealing with, again, okay, you know, the burning, the, the burning bush. Why a burning bush? You ever thought that as you go through scripture, like, why did God use that? Because again, there's everything that's in here is for significance. And so I'm like, why the burning bush, Lord? It was on fire. Okay, God is a consuming fire, right? And I'm just kind of rationing things out in my mind. And so here's this burning bush. And then it's also interesting is why a bush? You know, why did God choose a bush? And so what's the significance of that? You know, because he could have chosen anything up here, but he chose a bush. And it's kind of interesting. It's like, and I'm like, well, maybe it's because it's in the desert. I mean, in the desert, there's not a lot of trees in the desert. You know, there's bushes. And so he was just being practical, right? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I think it's more than that. And so as I began to look in there and just, again, for my own um, learning of the scriptures, I'm like, why the bush, Lord? And it speaks of the bush as being a lowly uh, humility, um, even a place of humiliation. It was the lowliest of, of the uh, shrub tree family, if you will. And I looked, and in Judges 9, 8 through 15, it was considered the least. And at the, in Judges 9, I'll just read it. It talks about kind of a parable of, of them selecting a king. And it said, once the trees went forth to anoint a king over them, and they first came to the olive tree, and they didn't want to do it. Then they came to the fig tree, no. Then they came to the vine, and it says, finally all the trees said to the bramble, okay? So this was the last place they could go. And so it speaks of this humility, is what, you know, is what I gathered from. It's like, okay, look right on, Lord, because God, you know, He looks upon the humble. He opposes the proud, but He looks upon and comes to the humble. And so that, Lord, that just makes sense to me. That's who you are. And so here's now this, this burning bush and speaking of uh, just the humility. And in that you can see practically as, you know, as God was calling Moses at that time to come and to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of this place of affliction and captivity. All right? And they were not a people who were esteemed. They were a very lowly people. And God chose Israel because, so he could show his glory and reveal his glory. And so here, it could be a picture type of Israel. God's bringing Moses and saying, Moses, look here. Here's a bush. Here's a humble, you know, a lowly. And it's being consumed with fire. It's being burned with fire, but it is not consumed. Okay? 
And, and that was a powerful message to me as I was going through. It's like even though that we know as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're going to have those times of affliction. We are going to go through the trials and the testings, right? But it's to strengthen us, all right? And so God reminded me, it's like, Ray, whatever affliction you're in this year right now is that you will not be consumed. It will not consume you. And so also of Jesus... When I was looking at Jesus, and in Exodus 4.22, it speaks of Israel is my son, my firstborn. So God referenced Israel as his son, his firstborn. And so his protecting of it. Now, Deuteronomy 4.20 talks about the iron furnace of Egypt. That God says, I have brought them out of the iron furnace of Egypt. And then in Matthew 2.15, speaking of Jesus Christ is out of Egypt, he said, I have called my son. And I was also reminded in Philippians 2, it talks about when when Jesus stepped out of heaven, stepped down out of heaven to dwell with man and to come in the form of a man, even of um, a man who would die on a cross. Okay, it speaks of humility and the affliction and stuff that goes on there. One more thing I was thinking of is, you know, when we, when we picture Jesus, it's always interesting to see the different pictures and renditions of Jesus. And, you know, in the Bible, it really doesn't tell us what he looks like. The only, it talks about that he was a man that was battered and beaten on the cross to the point where you couldn't even tell that he was a man. We know that he was a Jewish man, but it doesn't give us a lot of insight into what he looked like. So it's always kind of, you know, we have these pictures of, you know, some of you in Sunday school that he was a fair-skinned, you know, kind of a reddish-blonde flowing hair. And I really don't think that's what Jesus looked like, you know. And in, in Isaiah 53, it says that, that he had no form of majesty, that we should look upon him, nor an appearance that we should be attracted to him. All right. He's a very humble, lowly man. Um, that he came in. And so again, as I was, as I was looking at this, um, to me, this burning bush was a picture of Israel. It was a picture of Jesus Christ when he came um, to die on the cross for you and I. But it's also a picture of me, a child of God, that as I'm walking in this life, I'm living this life and going through it, he says, you will encounter trials and tribulations. And that's what grows us. That's what strengthens us. You know, by fire, we're tested by fire. And that's what causes strength. And it gets rid of all the impurities and stuff. And so we are going to go through it and in it. And so this is, you know, at the time that you're like going, okay, right on. Praise you, Jesus. You know, it's hard. And even though, I mean, we can read the scriptures and we can get all excited. It's like, praise the Lord. You know, the word of God says. But eventually you got to get up and go back out tomorrow and get right back in the, in the same world and travel through it. And so that's what I'm just, again, going back to. is like, Lord, thank you for your word that reminds me and for the Spirit of God that brings to remembrance God's love for me that even though the affliction comes, I will not be consumed. Amen? Okay. Also, I just wanted to share some scriptures here. Um, with that is... Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 10. You can write this down. This is um, uh, just a great scripture for me and it just reminds me again is when I'm in it is right here and I'm just going to read it. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10 it reminds us, or God, Paul says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are not a... We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not despairing. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Okay? So the dying happens so that the life of Christ would be manifested in our bodies. And also in uh, <clears throat> Philippians 3.10, Paul said that um, regarding the sufferings that he endured, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death okay, in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. 
And so again, when I was going through, man, I was just looking at this and I'm like, Lord, it's heavy. Uh, it's heavy. Um, but your word reminds me and it ministers to me that, that God, in the midst of it, uh, you are with me and you will not allow me to be consumed by the circumstances. Okay. And an example also, as you guys, is um, in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, it talks about uh, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they would not bow down to, to Nebuchadnezzar. They would not bow down to the idol. And that they were, even to the point, they said, we will not bow down. And our God will rescue us, but even if He doesn't, we shall not bow down to you, O king. And it said, they threw him into the furnace, right? Seven times hotter. The guards died on the way. These men are in there. And all of a sudden, the king is looking. And he said, man, what's this? He goes, did we not just put three in the furnace? But I see four. And the one looks like the son of the gods walking around in there with them. And we know in Daniel is that the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were delivered out of the fire. And God, just like the angel of the Lord, was with them in the midst of that. Okay? He was with them in the midst of it. And so we are consumed. Or we are not consumed. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like we're consumed. We are not consumed, but we are conformed to the image of Christ. And that's what God's trying to do. He's just trying to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, let's just go ahead and move on then. In verse 3, So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight and why the bush is not burned up. And so now Moses, you know, he's sitting there and he's looking and he's kind of uh, turning aside. And that word turn aside, it means to um, basically turn away and go another direction. And it spoke to me of repentance, Okay. It spoke, to, it spoke of me that I need to, in my trial, in my affliction, I need to be turning to God and not to my own devices, not to my own understanding, but I need to humble myself and turn to God. And sometimes, you know, it's, and you guys would probably um, agree, there's sometimes it seems so easy to do that, and it's not. At least it's not for me. Because sometimes I'm in the midst of it and I'm being beat up and I like to just have a pity party. You know, woe is me. Poor me. Why me, God? You know, instead of like going, God, I don't understand it and I don't get it. But I know your word says that you will not allow it to consume me. And so, Lord, I'm just going to turn, turn my attention to you and I'm going to come. Okay? And it's difficult to do. It requires humility. Okay? It requires humility. And... uh but that's what Moses did. He turned aside, it says. He said, I must. So it, was, it, was, it wasn't just this thing, I think I'll go over there and take a look at this. There was something in him that said, I must turn aside and do this. Okay, God was calling him and prompting him to come. And how he got his attention was through this bush. And he said, now I see this marvelous sight. Why the bush is not burned up? And so why is the bush not consumed? That was a peculiar thing to Moses. Now, here's a guy that I'm sure had been out in the desert and seen many fires and stuff. And it's even like around here. I do uh, wildland fire, and a lot of our brushes are loaded with oils and stuff. And you get the fire getting in that brush pretty soon. It doesn't take long, and that thing is consumed to nothing. There's just a black twig laying there, right? And so I'm sure Moses, at the time, he had seen his share of burning bushes. But what, what uh, intrigued him about this one is it was not consumed. And so it's a marvelous sight. Why is this happening? It's a peculiar thing. Okay? And it just spoke to me that, Lord, you've called me to be a peculiar thing. You've called me um, to be a peculiar people, if you will. I'm supposed to be light to this world. I'm supposed to be salt. Right? And so, Lord, give me your grace right now that in the midst of my affliction that I could be a, a right witness for you, that I would be a peculiar thing, that people would look at my life 
and how I live, whether in affliction or not, that my life they could see as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that their life, there was something peculiar about them. They lived differently. Okay? And it caused, in this instance, it caused Moses to draw near. Okay? And that's the same thing, I think, is there, there's times when uh, our life, when we choose by faith to live according uh, to the Word of God, is led by the Spirit of God. Right? As we choose to do that, we become a peculiar people to those around us. All right, and people are drawn to us, even though initially there might be, you know, some animosity, there might be some persecution, if you will, but in the heart of hearts, they're crying out, is like, uh, I hope you are who you say you are, because I am looking for something different than I am, right? Initially, they're going to strike out, but what they want to see is they want to see you and I that claim the name of Jesus Christ, they want to see us succeed. They want to see us wade through it differently than they are because they want to find, they, they want to know that there is hope, right? And so I, I'm just like, Lord, my hope is in you. The hope is in the Lord. And so as I was looking at this, Lord, you've called me to be a peculiar people. Even in the midst of my trial, you know, Lord, um, fill me with your spirit uh, to learn, Lord, how to suffer well. I want to learn how to suffer well, as, as Paul said, Right? And so in Romans 2, 4, it says that knowing that the kindness of God leads to repentance, right? It's the kindness, it's the gentleness of God in my life that will lead people to Jesus Christ, okay? It's not that I know, you know, a lot of scripture verses. It's not that I go to church, you know, twice a week. It's not that, you know, I can recite um, the Ten Commandments or, you know, it's not that. It's like they want to see do I see the person of Jesus Christ in you? And I'm kind of reminded as I come here today, I'm always kind of like, you know, like Moses, like, Lord, who am I you know, to do this? And in Acts chapter 4, it talks about Peter and John when they were walking on their way. And, and the, the Pharisees and the Jews, I mean, they were just bewildered because these dudes were a peculiar people because they understood. It says that they understood that these men were untrained, uneducated men, yet they could see, they recognized them as having walked with Jesus. And I'm like, Lord, man, I'm that guy. I'm your guy, Lord. I'm untrained. I'm uneducated by the world standards. But Lord, I pray that people will see, that recognize me as like, you know, but that guy, I can see he's been with Jesus. And, and again, it's that kindness that will lead people to repentance. All right. Verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside, I better get going here. Okay, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and he said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And so when the Lord saw Moses turn to him and turned aside to him, right, gave his attention to him, that's when God spoke. In James 4, 7 and 10 um, I love this scripture. It's one of those, you know, again, commit to memory. It's a powerful verse. James 4, 7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I've heard a lot of people, they'll teach us like, resist the devil and he will flee. And I'm always like going, that doesn't work for me because try doing that before you submit therefore to God. You can't, okay? Because you're doing it in your own strength. But submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. And it goes on and it says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God is looking at the posture of our hearts. Okay? God reveals himself to those who earnestly seek him. Amen? And in Jeremiah 29, 11 and 13, um, again a well-known verse, it says, I know the plans that I have for you. Okay, declares the Lord. Uh, a plan of, uh, of uh, welfare to give you a future and a hope. He said, then you will come and you'll pray to me and will listen to me and you will see me and you will find me when you search with all your heart, it says. Okay? So God's looking for us, again, in that time to change our posture, that our posture is coming to Him. It's turned turn to Him. If we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. But we need to look. We need to do that. And He says, once He sees that, he spoke to Moses, okay? Because he knows Moses is now more than he's just intrigued, 
He really wants to know. He's really seeking. And so, am I looking to him in my situation right now? You know, that was a question I had to ask. Lord, am I looking to you right now in my situation? You know, are you? You know, whatever situation you're in, are you trying to deal with it yourself? Are you trying to basically, it's like, well, I've been a Christian for, you know, 20 years, or I've been a Christian for five years, and I'm growing in the Lord, and I know the Scriptures, and the Scriptures say, and I will tell you right now, if you don't know, that there are times when you can know the Scripture, but still not be ministered to. Okay? Been there. Yeah, I know what the Scripture says, man. Thanks. Yeah, I know. He's going to work out all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. I know that. Okay, yeah, I know. He'll never leave me in a second. Yeah, I know that. Okay. But until my posture of my heart changes to like, oh, God, only you can bring healing in my situation. Only you can bring healing in my heart. Until my heart is rent before Him, I can't receive. I can know it, but I don't receive it. And that's, again, that's like knowing it intellectually but not coming to know Him um, experientially, right? All right. Um, God called and He said, Moses. And Moses' response was, here I am. And I was always like, you know, what is my response when God calls, when He prompts or speaks to me? You know, is it, what was that? Did you hear that? Who is that? Who is there? <laughs> Where are you? What do you want? Or it's like a lot of times like, Lord, why me? Right? Why me? Um, or Saul of Tarsus. I like Saul's response. He was like, uh, who are you, Lord? You know, who are you? And as I go through, I want to recognize or be recognized with Moses and Samuel and Isaiah and even Ananias, man, where they just said, God spoke and they said, here I am, Lord. You know, speak, your servant listens. Here I am. That's what I want to have my posture be when God is speaking to me and trying to get my attention, I want to immediately uh, not put him off, but draw near. Verse 5, it goes on, he says, And then he said, Do not come near here, remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And so immediately he saw Moses, he was coming, and God stopped him. He said, you know, Moses, stop. Don't come near here, because where you're standing is holy ground. Okay, you can't tread here, all right? And it, and it reminds us that God is a holy God. And a lot of times we like to think of, um, and I hope I don't offend people here, but we like to think of Jesus as tender and mild and, you know, it's like he's just, you know, my, my buddy, my homeboy, my, my friend, but he is a holy God, right? And so when I come to him, it needs to be in this posture of worship and recognizing that he is a holy God. He's a loving God, but he is holy also. And so I need to check my posture before I just burst in to the throne room of God. And so he says, do not come near. He said, but remove your sandals. And that's interesting, too, because I look at two, it's like, why the sandals? I don't, you know, why did he have him take his sandals off? And it's, you know, it's kind of interesting as, as I was looking at uh, servants in those days, that the poorest, the humblest of the servants, they wouldn't have shoes perhaps. And so they went around barefoot and they said, so basically you need to humble yourself more to come into my presence. Remove your shoes, right? Or it could be too is um, just reverence, you know, removing uh, the sandals from your feet and uh, coming to me in reverence. And, and that's why there's times like even for me um, when I'm praying, when I'm worshiping, you know, there's sometimes I will, I'll just kick off my, kick off my shoes it's easier in the summertime when you're wearing flip-flops. You can kind of slide them off. And, uh, but in the morning, like there's times when I sit down, I just want to pray before the Lord and I'll kneel. I'll just kick my slippers off. And I'm like, Lord, why do I do that? I'm not under the law. Right? I'm free in Christ. But Lord, I want to honor you this morning. It's just you and I and only you see God. But I want to kick my slippers off and just pray to you and just worship you this morning. Okay? So it was reverence. And it showed the posture of his heart that he was willing to do what God asked him to do and come into his presence. Just bear and rend before him. And so, verse 6, uh, he said, Also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And what's interesting here is, here's Moses. Again, he was a, um, born a Jewish baby, right? But he was raised an Egyptian. 
And so here's a, here's a guy who wasn't recognized as a Jew or an Egyptian. He was kind of, you know, in between. All he knew was the Egyptian, then he went to the desert. But yet here's a God of grace coming to him, and he said, Moses, I am the God of your father. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is my father, okay? He recognizes or is recognized and identified with me, okay? His grace and His mercy. And it says here in 7, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. All right, in verse 7 said, The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. And it shows me that God sees, all right? God sees our situation that we're in as we walk. And I just need to hope in the Lord. It's turned my hope to Him. He is aware. I always, you know, like I'm telling people, it's like, you know, God's not up there. It's like going, oh my gosh, did anyone remember Ray? You know, I haven't, I haven't been over there in a while. It's like, has anyone been over there to check him out? God's never surprised about what goes on in my life, what goes on in your life. Okay? He sees and He knows. And so when you're in a time, when, and maybe today you are, God sees where you're at, and he knows. And so, verse 7, uh, oh, that was one thing I just wanted to encourage. Just an encouraging word is out of Daniel chapter 10 and 12, and you can write that down, look it up later, but it talks about, is there's times we're praying through things, right? And Daniel 10, 12 just shows me um, a situation where Daniel had been praying, and for just a word from God. And it had been like three weeks, right? And he was pressing in. And finally, an angel came to him and said, Hey, Daniel, Daniel, you know, uh, let me just, I have it here. It says, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and, and humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withdrawing, was withstanding me for 21 days. Okay? So there is the spiritual warfare that goes on that even though we're praying through and it's like, you know, we pray today and we're like, we're not getting an answer and so we just go away from it. It shows me we need to be diligent in our prayer because God hears and He sees. But there is the spiritual warfare that does go on um, that hinders that coming. And here it had been like three weeks and He said, the prince of Persia, uh, Daniel, was withstanding me. But... Uh, But understand, is what, so what we need to do is, is to not give up hope. There's spiritual warfare that's going on. And there's, there's times, again, we're in it, and it seems like God's not answering it. He's not delivering. He's not changing my situation. <laughs> and I just have to remember, Lord, I just need to, again, as you prompt me, as you're leading me, as you're stirring me, uh, just to continue to bring this prayer before you. Because you do know and you do hear. All right? So be diligent in your prayers. It says here that I am aware of their suffering. Okay, verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a, flowing, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come before me, has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. And so again, it's just, the cry has come to me. God hears. I have seen, he says, God sees. And also verse 10 and 11, to move in there. Therefore come now, says so talking to Moses, Therefore come now and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? Have you ever felt like that? I felt like that this morning, okay? <laughs> Lord, who am I that I would lead your people? Okay? And I can just imagine, you know, Moses, he's been like 40 years, right? In the desert. And I'm just going to put my spin on it. It's like Moses, you know, God's saying, hey, Moses, uh, come now. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. And all Moses is saying is like, say what? 
You're going you're to send me where? Lord, I ran from there 40 years ago. I'm going to go to Pharaoh? And bring the sons of Israel? All of them? There's a lot of sons of Israel there. I'm going to bring them out? And so Moses is like, well, Lord, who am I? And I think that's a good place to be. I, I, th- I really do think it is. Because one of those places where, again, um, when I'm teaching, you know, you get kind of excited about a text, and you're like, Lord, not that I'm, co- I'm not uh, confident in me. Lord, I am confident in your word. I am confident in your Holy Spirit that it will not return without, you know, me hitting its mark. And so, Lord, I am not able, but you are able. So it's good to be in that posture of being empty so that he may fill you. But don't go so far as to take it as, Lord, who am I? And give up, okay? And that's what Moses, I think, wanted to do here. His posture was, it's like, you need to get somebody else. And we see later in, in Exodus, he was still saying, hey, God, we need to re-talk about this whole thing, me going into, you know, into Egypt, all right? And he began to make excuses. And so sometimes we do that. We make excuses for God, for what he wants to do in and through us. And so I just want to caution you to that. And he says here, this is what... Uh, uh, God said, and was encouraging to me in verse 12. And he said, he says, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. And so there's the good word right there. It's like, as we say, Lord, but who am I? He says, you know, you know what, Mo? He goes, certainly I will be with you. Okay. I'm not sending you in there alone to do it, okay? You're not all that in a bag of chips, okay? We realize that, okay? But you are a willing vessel, and I can see your heart and your postures turned towards me to know me, and I'm going to use that for my glory, okay? And so that's the good news for me. It's like, okay, Lord, you know what? I'm just a vessel, and certainly you will be with me. And I think as any of us, as we go in, and even in ministry or whatever it is, is to know that, um, you know, God will equip the called. Amen? He doesn't always call the equipped because then we tend to lean on our own experiences. We learn our own, what we think of our own strengths. And so we're better off just to be empty before the Lord and say, God, you know what? Certainly, I certainly know that you will fill me, that you're going to do it. And so, Lord, I can rest. I can rejoice in it. I can have fun with it and just serve you. And so, with that, I'm going to have to hustle you guys. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Like, you know, we have... I, <laughs> I write my notes, and my wife said, there's be times when you'll see me as like, okay, i got to bag the notes and just move. Because it's good to have a plan, because if you didn't have a plan, you wouldn't have anything to deviate from, right? <laughs> okay. I don't know that. Anyways. Anyway, an encouragement is God sees, He knows, and He hears, right? And even in the situation that we're in, we will not be consumed. Okay, God is with us in the midst of the fire. And that when we're going in His strength to do His will, it says certainly that He will be with us to accomplish it. And we can rest in that. We can rejoice in that. And if I gave you nothing more than that, I think that would be enough. Because even like I say, I don't like to re- come back and reteach another subject. But it just seemed like last week again as I was praying, God hit me with some stuff again. I had to go right back. It's like, okay, Lord, praise Jesus. <laughs> you will not be consumed, Ray. I will not allow you to be consumed but surely I shall be with you. And I'm like, okay, Lord, all right. I know I just taught it a couple weeks ago, but I'm back again um, having to remind myself of that. Okay. Um, we're going to have to just smoke through these next verses because I really want to get into some of this stuff. And so bear with me. I'm going to move pretty quick here. Um, but I'm on a mission. And that's the next part of this text is the message, the message of salvation, the message of deliverance, and now the mission to go. And so as you look at this mission, uh, I'm reminded it's not about who you are, but who God is, okay? So whenever we're going for the Lord, it's not about who you are, but it's who God is, amen? Okay, and so Moses said to God, behold, I'm going, okay? I'm going to do this, God. And he said, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And now 
they, they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? See, Mo didn't even know, their na- didn't even know God's name. He said, what name am I going to give them? They're going to ask me. I'm gonna be, they're going to put me on the spot, and they're going to ask me a scripture verse I don't know. I'm going to be witnessing to these people, and what if they ask me a question I don't know? Then what? I, don't think, I think I'm just not going to go witness to them. I think I'm just not going to go try and talk to them because I may not have their answers, right? And so fear keeps us from accomplishing uh, the plan of God. And when he says, when you step through, if you step through in faith, I will meet you on the other side. I will give you the words to speak, but we have to have faith because, again, you know, we're waiting to say, well, you give it to me and I'll step out. No, you step out and I'll give it to you. No, you give it to me and I'll step out. <laughs> I think you need to get somebody else. Right? And we miss out on the blessings. And so in those times, just to still want, Lord, just give me the strength to step out because I know that you are able, God, because it's not me, it's who you are. And so as we step out by faith and begin to share, and that, but the, Moses, you know, he's like, but God, what am I going to say? If they ask me, what's his name, what am I going to say? And here's, uh, here's what he says. He says, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said thus, you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. And so again, as we go through this, we look at the I am. He is the I am. That means Hayah in the Hebrew, and it's to become or to exist. He is the becoming one. And so you might even perhaps say it like this, I am uh, He who is. Okay, And that's powerful to me because God tells me that He is who I need in the situation that I'm in when I need it. I am that I am, Ray. I am who you need when you need it. Lord, I need this right now. I need to be encouraged. I am your encourager. Lord, I need to be built up right now. I need to, Lord, I need a healing. I am, I am the great healer. Lord, I just need confidence in this. I am. I am that I am. I am what you need and when you need it. Okay? He is a God who is. And that's who he said. That's who you tell him. And, and also, it, it's closely related to the word Yahweh, where we get the word uh, Yahweh, Lord, the self-existent one. Okay? And so that's who he said. I am the self-existing one. I am the eternal one. And I am he who is. That's what you tell him, Mo. <clears throat> and he said, I am has sent me to you. And you can go through as I can look at Jesus Christ in the New Testament and the Gospel. Jesus numerous times um, spoke of himself as the I am. Okay, I don't have time to go through that now, but if you want to talk about it later, I'll talk to you later. But Jesus claimed to be the I am of the Bible. Okay, he claimed to be um, uh, God who is. All right. Another thing here is uh, my, my memorial name, all right? And this was for me as like looking at it as, again, just going back to remembrances, his memorial name. And to remember him by. In Acts 4.12, this was a verse that was, again, on my heart as I was looking as, and there is salvation in no one else, and there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus. All right? In Jesus, Yahshua means God is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. And so I'm like, that is the name in the book of Acts as the early church was, was taken off. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, that's my remembrance name. Remember that name. That whatever situation you're in, whatever situation I'm in, He is greater. Amen? All right. Man, I got going fast. I didn't know where I'm at. Okay, verse 16. Verse 16 um, says that He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And He appeared to me saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. Okay, so God is concerned about me. God is concerned about you and what has been done to you. All right, in Egypt, in the things of the world, we get caught up in the things of the world. He is aware of what's going on in your life. He said, I am aware of it, and I am indeed concerned about it, okay? So if you're thinking that God doesn't care about me, God doesn't even know 
how I'm hurting, what's going on. God knows, and He is concerned, all right? Draw near to Him and hope in Him. Verse 17, he said, So I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, and the Amorite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will pay heed to what you say. And you with the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt, and you will say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me, has sent, has met with us. And so now please, let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And here's a trippy thing, okay, with the three days, as I was looking at that, and what the three days signifies. You know, as you look in there, it's like three days. Three days is all through the Bible, right? Three days, three days. And to me, I begin to look at it as like it speaks of a separate, to be separate, a separate in us, if you will. All right, And they said when they were going to go, he said, um, in Egypt, they said, tell them you want to go three days in the wilderness, and then you're going to worship, you're going to sacrifice. Okay, You need to be separate from the things of the world before you come and worship me. Okay, When you come and worship me, I want you to be separated out, that you can just focus your worship on me. And, and we know in the, in the book of Exodus, as he was going through, God said he, you know, he's not going to let you go, but under compulsion he will. And so God began to bring the plagues, right? And so we see there is the first thing we see as, you know, the Pharaoh began to try to compromise with them. He said, hey, why don't you just worship in the land, man? Just stay here. Just, you know, live in the world. Just be a part of it, but worship God. Okay, and Mo said, no, that ain't going to work, okay? We can't have, you know, two masters, right? We need to have one master. We can't worship the world and worship God. And so he said, no, us staying in the land of worship ain't going to work. And so the second thing he said, well, why don't you just go, uh, well, if you go, just don't go too far. Just don't go too far in the wilderness. And that's sometimes too, and unfortunately in the church, man, you start living for the Lord and loving Jesus Christ and wanting to be radical for him, and you're just like, whoa, you know, the brother's just a little bit over the top about this whole Jesus thing, right? He needs to kind of like calm down a little bit. But no... We need to not compromise. And so that's what the enemy says. is like, it's okay to go. You do it, but just don't get crazy, right? Don't get crazy about it. Don't go that far, you know? God's asking us to come out, to be separate. The third thing he did, he said, okay, fine, fine. Uh, just the men. You go into the wilderness, but just the men go. Leave your families. Leave your stock and your flocks here, all right? And that happens. Is it's just like, no, man, I can't just me growing. I need to make sure, Lord Jesus, as, as men, as the leaders of our homes, we need to make sure that our families are also growing in the Lord. We don't want them to be left behind and just we're the ones that are pursuing God, but let's just, you know, for them to figure out. And so, again, compromise. And then the last thing he did is said, okay, fine, fine. You go, your families go, but leave your stock and your flocks here. All right? Leave your possessions here. But it's interesting, as in Mo said, no, we can't do that because what are we going to make sacrifice with? We need the animals. Um, again, the substitutionary uh, life to, sac to sacrifice when we worship God. And we see that in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ that you and I are able to enter into the throne room of God and to worship a holy God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. He is our substitutionary lamb. Okay, He is the sacrifice, and we cannot worship but through Him. Amen? All right. Um, verse 19 and 20. I'm wrapping this up, you guys. But I know the king of Egypt has not, uh, will not permit you to go except under compulsion. And so God knew this. And so I will stretch out my hand, and I will strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, He will let you go. Okay, so we see the miracles. Now, God is saying that I'm going to bring these miracles ab about that are going to basically move him, compel him to let you go. All right? But you know what the interesting about that is? The miracles brought the deliverance. Okay, God's hand brought the deliverance. But he did not say how it would happen. We're not giving it here. He, all he says is like, all my miracles will compel him to let you go. And so sometimes, you guys, I guess what I'm saying, saints, is we don't always know how God is going to deliver us, okay? He doesn't give us that up front. All He says is, I will. Amen? I 
will. But we sit there and say, like, well, I'd really like to get the, you know, if I could see how you're going to do it, that would really make me feel better. You know, and I could just, then I could believe. No, we need to believe in the God who says, the God I am. He said, I will do it. And so there's times in our lives that God doesn't give us all the pieces, right? We just need to walk by faith and say, I know that I know that God will do it. I just need to continue to draw near to Him and stay close to Him. And so, so there's not defined how or when. That's the thing, too. He didn't say when, okay? It didn't like He went in and went like, bam, bam, they're out. There was a process that went on, even in Egypt. And so don't get discouraged, you guys. Um, his promises are true. This is a good word. His promises are true, but they're not without difficulty. Okay? His promises are true, but they are not without difficulty. Is that a good word, saint? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, it is. It is. Well, we don't like difficulty, but it is, it is what conforms us to the image of Jesus Christ. And so, last thing, the miracle... Um, God's favor. He says that I'm going to grant them favor, Mo. And I will grant, verse 21, and I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. Okay? But every woman shall ask for her neighbor and the woman who lives in her house articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters. Thus you will plunder the Egyptians. He's like, praise the Lord, he got to verse 22. Okay. <laughs> he said that he will grant favor, okay? And favor in the Bible speaks of grace. God's grace, his undeserved merit upon us. He will grant favor. God says, I'm going to grant favor on these people, all right? And they will not go empty-handed. Their, their toils and their struggles in this, this, this walk will not be in vain, Okay? It will not be in vain. And we have to believe that and know that because God says it. And so I will give them favor and grant them. And it's interesting here. This is just me again. I love the picture types. I love to look for things. They were not go empty-handed. And the articles they gave them were silver, gold, and clothing. Practical, but also like really cool spiritually. Okay? Because silver speaks of redemption. Okay, silver speaks of redemption. Gold, of royalty. Clothing, of righteousness. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, right? Amen? And so we see three R's. I didn't mean for that to happen. It just happened. But the redemption, royalty, and righteousness, speaking of we have been purchased, we have been placed, and we are kept. Okay? The grace of God that redemption that He would die for me. We have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been placed in a new position as a child of God. Amen? And also it says that we are clothed in His righteousness. He will keep us. And so that's what it spoke to me. I was like, ah, oh, woo! It's a good word, Lord. Okay? And He says, Thus you will plunder the Egyptians... Therefore, in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul was writing, he said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Okay? It is not in vain in the Lord. And so what we have here is the message, the hope of salvation. We will not be consumed, but conformed to the image of Christ. He will certainly be with us. The mission, help in salvation, it's not about who we are, but it's who God is. All right? Salvation is Christ in me, the hope of glory. And then also the miracle, His gift of salvation, His grace. Okay? His gift of salvation, His grace. The message, the mission, the miracle. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we just thank You again for this morning. And God, I'm just... Lord, in awe again of who you are, Lord Jesus, and again, once more reminded, Lord, that you are a God who is. You are the becoming one, Lord Jesus. And God, you remind me, Lord, that I will not be consumed. But Lord, that you have a purpose and a plan, Lord Jesus. Your plan is of deliverance, God. And Lord, I'm just reminded again of just this, this song, Lord, is, is, Lord, this is redemption that you have died for me. This is salvation, Lord 
that you would live in me. And God, this is a submission that I would live holy. And so, God, I thank you today, Lord, and I just pray for your body, Lord, your children, God. Lord, that you would strengthen us in this time of adversity, Lord Jesus. God, that as we are afflicted by the fires, Lord, that we would not look at it as something that's tearing us and, and uh, tearing us down, but God, that you are refining us. You are making us stronger. You are conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the church. Lord Jesus, that your church is to be a place of prayer, is to be a place of encouraging the brethren to continue steadfastly in good deeds, Lord, and in living for the living and holy God. God, that we would be separate for your sake, Lord. Lord, that we would desire to live holy, to glorify your name, God, for this wonderful gift that you've given us in, in your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, for this time this morning. God, I pray a special blessing on those in children's ministry. And so, Lord, I just thank you. And, and God, I just pray again uh, that you just minister to your people, Lord, that there be truths today that we can take home and meditate on to minister to our souls, that when the fire does come, Lord, and it will come, but God, that, to know that you see. And God, that if we just turn to you, Lord, that God, that you will protect us, Lord. You will not let us be consumed, but Lord, you'll conform us. And so we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. All is in agreement? Amen.